Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is The Shark. We're brought to you by the Barn Burner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard the Bular Brothers, formerly of New Mexico State, subscribe, so you should as well. <laughs> Check out the website at the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at the underscore barnburner. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feed is and shark at shark underscore ultra BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis in honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. saddle after uh, traveling across the globe to India and I can say without hesitation after looking at what's transpired these past two weeks there's theater in Greenville South Carolina Furman's ranked two straight weeks Furman is ranked after taking down um, two out of the four final four teams from last year right they they've beaten Villanova and uh, Loyola they have Furman yeah you've certainly missed Furman uh, rising up the rankings here and you know sue but i I feel like not a lot of people are going to appreciate what you just did in that opening right there but it was like a like an easter egg dropped in a beautiful film or like some tarantino film what you just did there dropping the name bular because not everybody's going to know the name bular and the fact that you parlayed it into your india trip sim bular was a darling of the March Madness tournament a few years ago. He was this giant guy from India, kind of running into that kind of recent trend of these, you know, gigantic men in the tournament that become the darlings of it. And you were able to drop in Simbular, who I certainly appreciate the artistic creativity, the artistic angle that you threw into that. So I just wanted to thank you. And I also, on behalf of the United States of America, I want to welcome you home. It's good to be so, back. Welcome home. Yeah, didn't identify any Simbulars, though, uh, in the motherland. Simbulars is a specimen, though, I'll tell you what. Uh, but it's good to be back, man, it's I got to tell you. The only, you know, the only drawback, though, of India, this time around at least, you know, the food was fantastic, got to see some great family, uh, did a lot of great sightseeing, wore traditional outfits. It was all fantastic. The slightest little drawback, though, is 
back when I went there in 2011, my stomach really couldn't handle the food or any of the diet. So I was shitting pretty constantly. And it wasn't like full-fledged diarrhea, but it certainly wasn't, you know, solid poops. It was somewhere in between in the middle of that spectrum, right? So like your solid diarrheas, if you will. Um, but I was no worse for wear. I came back to the States about nine, 10 pounds lighter. I felt very spelt. I was entering my second semester in senior year of college. So I was saying, hey, I'm back in the States. I'm looking a little trimmer. You know, let me go out of out of college with a bang. Nothing, nothing really transpired. Nothing really matriculated. But uh, that was, you know, I, I came back lighter after that trip in 2011. This time, though, my stomach decided to handle it. And I mean, if you've been around any, I mean, you're Italian. Italian families are the same. They just keep fucking force feeding you more and more food. So, I mean, I, I was pooping just fine. And stomach held it all together. And I think I came back here about eight pounds heavier, which is bad because I had a reserve eight pounds for the holidays coming up. So I was going to lose eight pounds after coming back to India, gain it all back, entering the holidays, and then go into, uh, into 2019, basically net, net zero. I think I might just be plus 16 going into 2019 now. And like I said, that's the only drawback. I'm at a loss for words right now. Uh, I guess thank you for that. And uh, now I'll sleep easy tonight, knowing that uh, I'm briefed up on your uh, on your uh, my shit schedule. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's good. Uh, Everything's everything's back to normal. Jet lag. Uh, I've overcome that, but good to be back. Hey, your boys are doing really well. Uh, the Vols, huge win against Gonzaga, formerly number one ranked Gonzaga. I was very thrilled thrilled about that because on this show uh, last episode, I actually said Gonzaga was not the best team in the West. And then they promptly went out and beat the number one team of the country, Duke. So that made me look like an asshole. But I'm saving face a little bit here with uh, the Vols victory. So thank you. Yeah, Father. I mean, it was when you root for college basketball teams, you're rooting to be in opportunities like that, where you can take down number one. Nobody was watching. It was Sunday at three o'clock. So everyone was watching football, but it felt like a very big game. It felt like a March game. There's a lot of intensity on both sides. I could easily see both teams playing each other in the final four. And, you know, I'm just proud of Tennessee. I love that team. It's a whole bunch of guys that are not one and done. It's a whole bunch of guys that play together, that grind out, that develop on their own. And, it's the kind of guys you want to root for going forward. Now I'm pretty sure it's like the first time Rick Barnes has ever beat a number one team. Uh, I think someone, I saw a tweet or something like that. And I was actually trying to confirm it before we got on the show here, but uh, I don't know. What do you do? How do you, do you Google that? Like a full sentence has Rick Barnes ever beat a number one team. I don't know, but I couldn't find it, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Huge win. Admiral Schofield. Oh my gosh. I mean that, Vol fans know they hate when he falls in love with the jumper. You want him to attack the rim more. But when Grant Williams fouled out, it was almost as if, all right, what else are we going to do? We've had Lamonte Turner out for a few weeks now, so we don't have really anyone that can shoot it from the outside too well. And it was just a great win because you had you had Schofield, John back and forth with Gonzaga, and you see him after the game jump into the stands to talk to his dad. And you had that guy, Zach Norvell, who – 
kind of shivered when I talked about how beautiful his lefty jumper is. And, you know, he, Schofield just ate him up towards the end and it was just, it was awesome. It's what you want when you're a Vol fan, you want to be relevant. You want to be up there. Everyone's always talking about, Oh, you don't have any five stars. You don't have any five stars. I don't give a fuck about five stars. This is a team you want to root for. They're athletic. You got the Frenchman, Yves Pond, Yves Pond, you got him. And it's, it's just a team that is tested and I'm ready for them to get to March. I don't give a shit that they're not ranked number one right now. Um, frankly, they probably should be number. Yeah. And we can talk about the rankings here in a little, a little bit, but I mean, they're ranked two. I mean, no, they, they're ranked what? Three, I think. Three, yeah, they should be two. Duke's two. That's crazy in my mind, but we'll we'll get into that in a second. But anyways, it was a great win. I was fired up to see it. I'm happy you're home. You got to see your beautiful brown face right here, looking at me on this Skype podcast that we're doing. And um, you know, life is good. Life is good. So I got to say, this is you had mentioned it that this was the first time ever in Rick Barnes's history that he's taking down the number one overall team, and that's actually that's a, that's an incredible stat uh, because he's obviously coached at Texas before. He's been in big time games. He's won a lot of games. Uh, I you know I, I didn't think that this would be the only time. So this has got to be easily his biggest win uh, at Tennessee at the very least. Well, again, Father, this is a massive caveat that we've thrown into this that that stat could be entirely false, but oh, let's go with pretty it. Sure. No, it's we're, we're rolling with it. I'm down good with that. for the content. Yeah. Um, great win. Great win. Oh, so I, I do want to touch on these rankings here, right? Because you got, you got Kansas one, you got Duke two, you got Tennessee. And then after that, I think it's Gonzaga again. Um, and then Michigan, right? Michigan hasn't lost. So I see it as this. So Kansas beat Tennessee in overtime a couple weeks ago. All right, whatever. Put them one. Well, Gonzaga beat Duke. So why is Duke ahead of Tennessee when Tennessee beat Gonzaga? And Gonzaga beat Duke, so they should be right behind Tennessee. So it's almost like you got the human centipede with Kansas at the top. They're eating it. Um, They beat Tennessee so they can shit in Tennessee's mouth. And then Tennessee beat (laughs) Gonzaga so they can shit in Gonzaga's mouth. And again, Gonzaga shit in Duke so they can shit in that mouth. But it's kind of reversed because everyone loves Zion Williamson. And we all know how I feel about that, but I don't, I don't even want to talk about it this week. So let's find yeah. a different topic. Well, we'll find a new slant. Um, I'm, I think I'm actually perfectly fine with the top five right now. I actually think, uh, despite the fact that they are number one right now, I still think Kansas is going under, under the radar. They edged out a really, really tough win uh, in Kansas city this past weekend. Uh, they're playing without as a bouquet probably their best player, one of their best players for sure. So Kansas entered the season at number one and then Duke just beat the absolute breaks off of Kentucky. And so they've pretty much been still in the headlines ever since Gonzaga then beat Duke, uh, Kansas very steady right now though. So I think I'm okay with the top five thus far, but like we said, it's still December. Uh, yeah. and I'm not too worried about where, where teams are ranked right now. And as we said in one of our first shows, you know, you're a guy that cares about the rankings in November and December. I'm not that guy. So it's kind of ironic that I'm caring right now, but it's just because, you know, huge win by Tennessee. And this is a good opportunity right now. At the end of this show, we're actually bringing in Memphis's own to come talk about the big matchup happening in Memphis this weekend when Tennessee finally goes back to take on the Tigers. And uh, and it's been a long time. But we'll save that for the – we'll tease that one towards the end of the show because I'm sure our boy Sammy's going to have a lot to say there. 
Definitely. All right. Uh, there was some more theater, actually. The best game of the weekend, IMHL, was played in Madison Square Garden. So Seton Hall versus Kentucky. And I mentioned again on the last time we, we got together, I said, hey, does Kentucky kind of stink? Uh, Seton Hall's pretty good. They're a solid ball club. But that's a game Kentucky's got to win, especially after entering the season with so many expectations. And like I said, they have Reed Travis now, so they have some actual uh, veteran leadership. He's leading them in points per game. Uh, but they drop one in Madison Square Garden. I don't know if Calipari hit us with the kid speech at all, but I'm sure it's coming. Yeah. Not yet. He's cooking it up. He's he's laying the foundation for the speech. Expect it kind of, you know, right around after the Super Bowl when we're all like, oh, my God, what's what do we do now? Um, and come out for air and there's nothing to watch. Expect Cal to kind of immerse himself into the – into the scene where he can give us a good kid speech and have us all doubt him. Um. So if you didn't catch the game, uh, it was a wild finish. So Seton Hall game was uh, tied and Seton Hall had the ball. What figured to be the last possession. Uh, One of their players names escaping me. hits a three with one second remaining, one second remaining. And you figured, Hey, hell of a win for Seton Hall. At that point, you think that they deserve to win that game. And then Kentucky hits a half-court three. I mean, I actually thought it was – it took a lot of time. The guy took, like, a dribble, and uh, and he sunk the shot, which just goes to show you how long one and a half seconds is, one second is. But it was wild. Uh, he hits the three, and then the very last possession in overtime, Seton Hall, game's tied. They hit a three in what was probably the most poised possession all game. I mean, this was a fantastic possession, especially given the stakes and the juncture of the game that it was in. These guys were uh, moving the ball on that last possession, and they threw a couple pump fakes. And if you're a Kentucky defender, the clock's winding down. You know they have to shoot at some point, so you might as well sell out. Seton Hall knew that. They knew that that Kentucky was going to bite on any pump fake. And like I said, after about three or four really good passes, two pump fakes – uh, Seton Hall buried a three to, to win the game, and they absolutely deserved it. Now, there's a lot of components there for theater, and it, we certainly had theater, but what makes this the ultimate theat and theat of the weekend was our man Gus was on the call. Gus Johnson losing his, his fucking mind as per usual. Uh, he was actually kind of reserved when Seton Hall hit their first go-ahead jumper in regulation. I was like, is Gus sedated or something? You know, has there been a loss in the family? I was actually a bit worried for Gus. But then <sighs> Kentucky half-court three, baby. And he just dug deep down to where he, he gets all of those calls and he knocked it out of the park as per usual. Yeah, and honestly, you couldn't have crafted it better for Gus to have his kind of reminder to the our country that, look, I'm still here, boys. Because it happened right on a perfect day for it to happen. Saturday, mid-afternoon, there's no college football games on. Everyone's waking up, oh, where, where's, where's, uh, you know, where's the 12 o'clock game in the Big 12 or the Big East or, excuse me, the Big 10? Where is it? And then all of a sudden, you got good old Gus Johnson riding in there and reminding us that he runs Saturdays. From January to late February, that is Gus Johnson time, and I cannot wait. It was a great game. You know, we had Army-Navy. Okay, Army-Navy, great game. Um, you know, we all like watching it. 
but there's going to come a time when we have nothing to watch on Saturday and Gus giving us that early reminder in December that and it's almost like, uh, you know, Cedric Cornbread, Cornbread Maxwell and uh, for the Celtics and I think it was the 84 finals. He went into the halftime uh, when they're playing the finals and, you know, they're struggling and he goes, jump on my back, boys. I'm going to take you home. That was Gus Johnson on Saturday because I, I, I can feel football coming to an end. I can kind of sense it. And Gus was right there for me. He said, hey, Shark, don't worry about it. I'm not going anywhere. I think for us, college basketball obviously starts right when it starts, you know, whenever the calendar switches to November or whatever it is. <clears throat> I think for the rest of the country, this is really their big time introduction that college hoops is here. Like you said, there was no college football on. Some people may say the college hoop starts after the Super Bowl, and that's fair too. But if you looked at your your sports networks on on Saturday, FS1, your ESPN, your ESPN2, CBS, you know, Michigan State, Florida had a great game. Uh, college basketball was in full force and you're right. There was there was nothing else to distract anyone from it, uh, from that those awesome games. And Gus no. on Broadway, he took center stage. It was awesome. And you know, the other takeaway I have from that game was watching Seton Hall's coach, Kevin Willard. You know, he's a He's a fiery, in-your-face, you know, completely shaved head, intense kind of smash-mouth basketball guy. And I'm, I remember having a thought at one point during that game, and I said, hey, you know, there's a lot of coaches like that that you don't want to bet against and you don't want to play in games that matter. And you got Willard. You know, I'm talking just strictly, you know, normal-sized, bald-headed white guys. You got Kevin Willard, you got Chris Mack, and you got Mick Cronin. All right. And I kind of was tossing this around in my head. I'm thinking, first of all, imagine you and I are big fans of the show, The Shield, when that when that was out and you had Vic Mackey and he had the ultimate dispute resolution system where he took two gangbangers and he said, all right, I'm going to throw you guys in a shipping container somewhere in East L.A. uh, and you guys can resolve your dispute. Only one of you is coming out. Now, imagine if you take Kevin Willard, Chris Mack and Mick Cronin, and you throw them in that shipping container. Who's coming out of there? I have no clue. They're all just going to be just as intense. You know, Cronin. Like, yeah, Cronin. You think so? But he's like four foot, he's four foot eight, man. He's so little. Chris Mack's got the length. Quote, quote this. A mice was dropped in, oh, shit, I think it was like cream. No, in butter. And he churned it <laughs> all the way out, and he got out, and he made cream. One of the, it's one of those two. No, I know he what it dropped is. dropped in butter. Quote it. Was it Departed? No. Christopher Walken in Catch Me If You Can. All right. Uh, so here's I another completely one. completely butchered that. Here's another yes. one for you. Um, all right. So you, you take a human being and you shrink them down and you throw them inside of a blender. And so you got a mini human being inside the blender. How do they get out? What movie is that from? I have no fucking idea. The Internship? When Vince Vaughn oh. and Owen Wilson are getting interviewed by Google, and they're like, <laughs> "No, it's a whole new world." You know, <laughs> I'm in this new world. Everything's so big. You know, I'm excited. I'm running around. So, uh, but anyways, to make a more basketball centric kind of competition for these three guys. Now, imagine you got three different basketball courts, right? You got Mick Cronin with his team on that court. You got Chris Mack on another court, and then you got Kevin Willard on a third court, and they're 
practicing their boys. You know, they're running suicides or doing whatever they have to do. Who is the first guy to walk off the practice court? Who's going to let his team off first? Or is that practice going to end up like DJ Durkin style where someone, where someone unfortunately is going to pass away? Too soon. Um, I think, I think Chris Mack is going to take his boys off first because he seems to be more of a, he seems, he seems less hands-on than, I mean, Mick Cronin is just, he's just angry all the time. He's got the most intimidating underbite in all of college basketball. Uh, Willard's a Jersey guy or he's coaching in Jersey at the very least. Chris Mack, I could see him, him relieving his team of their duties. And I'll, I'll tell you this much. I think really the only thing that those guys have in common is that they're bald and white, because if you really <laughs> set them up side by side, Mick Cronin, super short, Willard's pretty average and Chris Mack's really tall. Yeah, he's, so, big. A t- tall I, he's a tall guy, but I, I would I, say Chris Mack would let his team off the hook first. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Just because Xavier is known to kind of crumble. And I know he coaches at Louisville now, but Xavier would fall apart. Uh, I, I know looking at last year, Mick Cronin, he doesn't have the skill, but they're going to grind you out to the end. Yeah. I, I think back to um, what was the game last year in the Crosstown rivalry, which also happened this past weekend. Uh, when uh, Cincinnati Mick, beat the shit out of Xavier. Yeah, too. when Mick Cronin got in J.P. McCurra's face. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> But anyways, uh, we've yeah. spent way too much time on these hypotheticals. But I, it was really resonating with me uh, as I watched Kevin Willard pull the upset there. Yeah, great, great win for the Hall. So we started the show off by giving you some love with Tennessee. Hell of a win for them. Uh, but we got to talk about your undergraduate school as well, Boston College, with kind of just you want you want to say that you basically come to grips with this now, right? It's just BC athletics doing BC athletics things. Why don't you? Uh, Tell the people that probably weren't watching BC at Providence what what exactly happened. Yeah, so I I don't want to talk about just the team because I know nobody's going to care. There's like six people that go to our games. I want to talk about kind of an epidemic that I see in the college basketball world that happened at the end of that game. Now, if you do are looking for a team, I will say Boston College, they have uh, Vin Baker's son is on the team and Chris Heron's son is on the team. So obviously you got one guy whose dad really abused alcohol for a while. And then another guy whose dad really abused drugs for a while. So you got, you got two different substances abuse, um, comeback stories right there. So that's for you. Maybe come be the, you know, 14th person in Conti forum for our games. Uh, we can certainly, there's plenty of seats available, but anyways, the reason why I want to talk about it was BC's up three, the end of regulation, they're playing Providence. It's a rivalry. Ed Cooley, obviously everybody loves him. He used to coach at BC. He was a great recruiter with Al Skinner. BC's up three, Providence inbounds the ball. There's about five seconds left in the game. I always thought that's an automatic foul. You foul him, you make him shoot free throws. Um, I don't care who you foul. I don't care if it's even close to him beginning to begin his jump shot from three-point range. You foul him, you don't even let him lift the ball. Uh, Of course, they don't do that. Guy drilled this freshman who's a gunner from the outside. I mean, you know, I've been really trying out this – this phrase right here, you know, I, I like to call him Bradley Cooper because he's an American sniper, baby. Whoever that guy is, I don't remember. Did you send that to Rothstein? Well, I'll get into Rothstein later on. But anyways, that guy hit a three, then we lose in overtime. If there's less than six seconds, you, f- you foul if you're up by three. It should be that simple. Now, yesterday in the Tennessee-Gonzaga game, they didn't foul, and obviously it worked out. But I just think in terms of yeah, even – analytics, sabermetrics, whatever you want to call it, just it's the smart thing to do. You don't give them an opportunity to tie the game. 
if you foul, yeah. you're in good shape. But anyways, that's all I wanted to say about those. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think a, <laughs> I think a lot of people uh, late game scenarios, especially in college basketball, are hot topics, right? So, do you foul in that scenario? Additionally, against uh, with Kentucky versus Seton Hall, it's do you put a man on the inbounder or do you drop him back to double up someone? They probably should have doubled someone. Yep. Uh, Seton Hall probably should have doubled whoever it was so that they didn't get a shot off at, at half court. A really quick side note, by the way, your boy PJ Washington, I think he went like 10 and 10 from the free throw line in that game. Well, so He's clearly a listener. So, I mean, I'm glad somebody <laughs> got to him. I don't think but, you can pin the L on him, but uh, I digress. Yeah. Uh, especially in college basketball, these late game scenarios, they're always up for debate. I don't understand why though. This seems pretty cut and dry. I'm in agreement with you here. Foul the guy. Cause at the very least, if you're going to lose by fouling them, that means that you missed your free throws. And I feel like I'd be able to live with myself a lot more as opposed to I didn't foul and they hit a three, right? Let me foul. Let me hit my free throws. I'll wind the clock down and we'll get out of here with a win. If not, then it's a hundred percent on me for not making my foul shots. Point blank yep. period. I'm with you. So that I'm going to be uh, keeping my eyes peeled for that throughout the season. Teams that blow end of game scenarios like that. Yeah. Why don't we take a look at some of the games coming up this week before we, uh, before we bring in Samuel, Sam Strance, uh, not too much theater going on this week, huh? Other than Nova, Kansas. Yeah, it's Nova, Kansas is on Saturday, and then obviously Tennessee, Memphis uh, is Saturday as well. If you look at the games during during the week, it, it's just just terrible. I mean, I, I I'm not excited about any of us like Houston, LSU. I mean, okay, that's that's great. I think uh, I guess Furman and whoever they're playing the rest of the year, if they can help hold on, but it's not a good slate. Um, so we're going to have to kind of grind it out and move towards, uh, move towards conference play. We're almost there. Um, yeah. That, I was just going to say, we, we got to get to conference play. That's when, that's when the good rivalries and the good games really start. Yeah, you, you got, you got a good game every single night. Cause you're going to have, you know, super Tuesday and big Monday. And then obviously Saturdays are always good. So, we just got to get there. So outside of that, Nova's playing Michigan. Uh, you and I, excuse me, not Michigan, uh, Kansas. I, I just said Michigan. You and I were right on them, by the way. doesn't matter who yes, D-line has. You just, you just throw them out there, and that guy can coach him up. So Unbelievable. They lost, what, four, four of their leading scorers, like four starters or whatever it is, and D-line's got them undefeated. Probably potentially one of the best teams or the best team in the country. Does Rothstein have a kind of – slogan for them yet Ooh, i don't know he might have one for beeline himself that's the other thing with fucking rossi he, he doesn't have slogans for any of these big time successful teams right he's got it for greg guard a silent assassin <laughs> right? like, he's got he's got it for bobby fucking hurley who he's only going to be able to rip that off like 15 times and thank god we were right about michigan I was wrong about ASU. They are starting exactly like they did last year, which is what I said would not happen. Uh, they were up on Nevada early. Uh, they ended up losing that game, thankfully, because they were playing the best team on the West Coast in Muscle. Yeah, that's a big game for you right there. Oh, yeah, it was. 
But actually, now that you uh, said Greg Gard, when you look back, you got death taxes, Bo Ryan. So Rothstein has actually gone to the well at Wisconsin twice to come up with one of his catchphrases. So seriously, although I don't know if you noticed this, he has been unveiling some new ones this year. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I, I'm not, particularly keen on the Mike Bray betting against Mike Bray is like betting against yeah. Christian Bale in a Batman movie. I, I want I want it to happen a few more times before I give it my full attention. Um, but he's he's certainly trying out some new material as if he's like going out to the you know some small comedy club on the Upper East Side after a divine meal on Thirty Second and Fourth. So. Yeah. Well, his uh, his Fortune 500 company, Villanova, is going to have to right the ship in Kansas. Huge opportunity for them. I don't expect them to win. But if they're able to go into Lawrence and uh, get a victory, I think that's a huge, huge win for Villanova. And essentially just their confidence saying that, hey, we're still the national champions and we can play with some of the best teams in the country as opposed to getting the shit knocked out of us like they did against Michigan. So I think big test in Lawrence for uh, for Jay Wright and, and his boys. But I still think Kansas is going to come out with a victory, and it's going to be another really good win on Kansas's resume for them. I don't know. I wouldn't uh, – I'm not ready to – I don't know about that one, Father. I you think Villanova's going to win? Yeah, I think, they, I think they just might. I don't think – I don't really like Kansas that much. I don't – I love them. Why don't you – I, I think – well, I mean, they got they got revenge on their mind too. Remember last year's Villanova Final Four game? I don't think they missed a three in that game. So, like, Divincenzo is just going insane on them. So, uh, any other thoughts before we try and bring in Sam here and discuss a little Memphis basketball? We got we got to get his thoughts on Memphis, Tennessee, and also James Wiseman, uh, number one recruit committing to Memphis. Any other thoughts before we do that? No, let's bring him in. It's nice to have you back, and you and I will kind of get into the routine and the flow of everything, and you know, it's starting to get to that time of the year for us. So, let's let's bring in the big guy here, huh? So while we wait on Sam, though, Furman, top twenty-five team. That's I, I can a hundred percent tell you that I did not see that one coming. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to talk extensively about them. In fact, while we wait. I've always wanted to kind of have this segment where, uh, you know, the song um, Rise Up. Oh, yeah, Andre Day. Yeah, that song when it's like super dramatic. I know they played in the World Series. Um, and I've always had a thought about just talking about your day as that song played in the background. So I'd All like right. to unveil that later on. But here, here we go. Oh, my gosh, look at this guy here. Let's go. With that. I don't know. <laughs> He's got a headset on. Oh, well, yeah, I'm ready to go. Hey, man, you got to be legit if you're going to play with the big boys here. Well, that's good. Headset, beard, Christmas tree all lit. I love it. Trees lit, I'm lit. I got some ambiance for you guys behind me. You know, I'm not just going to come on the show and act like some sort of scrub, so. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. All right, so let's start with this. You you are kind of the pulse of Memphis. You know, I used to call you Sammy Memphis back when you and I ran around Knoxville a few way back in the day. You can speak for this town better than probably anyone I know from Memphis. And I know about four people. So that's really a a large sample size right there. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how the town's feeling. Is it split? Are there a lot of all fans there? Is everyone just all in on Penny? Just speak. That's how you you ask a question. I like that. Open-ended. You know, let me run with it. Look, 
honor to be joining this award-winning podcast here on the barn. One of the, one of the, the highest listeners we got. Uh, so, you know, really appreciate the invite to come on boys. And especially as the Memphis ambassador, I'm well suited for this. So there's a lot of Vols fans in Memphis, man. The state is not completely unified on the West here. There's a lot of Vols fans here. You know what? They're going to be in the house too, but it's a sold out Avenue. We got 18,000 fans going to be in there. Majority will be Memphis, but there's Vols fans on the West here. The town is electric. The town is ready for Penny Hardaway to lead us back to the promised land. The town is such that I haven't seen it. This is going to sound like hyperbole, but I, I, I shit you not during the Calipari years. Those are the years where Tiger basketball was king. Grizzlies basketball, no one cared because we were winning 20, 20 games a season. So it's back. It feels that way. There's an intangible aspect to the point where every Memphian from myself, you know, walking to work every morning downtown, got a great life to the guy in a steel mill. If we have one of those, I don't I assume we do. Uh, he, he's loving it just as much. So look, the, the town is just, it, you can feel it. There's a, there's a, a, an energy about it. So to answer your question, everyone's feeling great right now. So you're saying kind of all like the blue collar guys down at, in the mill, you know, yucking it up all day as they smoke cigarettes. They're, they're talking about Memphis basketball over everything else. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's the, the talk of the town. I mean, it's what everyone's talking about. Grizzlies are doing okay right now. we got Jaron. People care more about a five nine freshman named Tyler Harris than they do Jaron Jackson Jr., who could very well be MVP in like ten years. And you're right; I'm going to say it right now. But this isn't a Grizzlies podcast. Sorry. Let's go ahead. <laughs> no, this is this is all good insight. Let me ask you this then, Sam. Obviously, there is uh, a split there in Tennessee with Vols fans and <clears throat> Tigers fans. Uh, having gone to both schools, Memphis uh, for undergrad, Tennessee there for grad school. At one point during this season, are you going to uh, completely take off the Memphis hat and be all in on the balls? It's okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to to welcome you there. But when, when do you when do you sort of throw away the Memphis hat this season? It'll never happen, man. I mean, look, I'm going to support the balls, but there will be no point where I just decide suddenly that they're more important than Memphis Tigers. I mean, Tigers take precedence. It's always the way it's going to be, and, and that, that's just there's nothing that will change that. But balls are in the tournament, right? Let's say. Tigers only make it to the Elite Eight this year, maybe the Final Four, but uh, <laughs> the, the Vols are in, dancing in the Final Four on the other side of the bracket. Uh, yeah, I'll root for the Vols, and I still am an alumni, so I get that. So I'll, I'll be there, but no, never, never taking the Memphis hat off, man. Can't do it. All right. So help, help me with this one here, all right? Because um, I don't know much about Memphis. I know you guys are flashy. I know you're recruiting well. I know there's a lot of excitement there. We're making shirts. Everybody's, everybody's dancing around, you know, celebrating Penny. But are you guys any good? Do you, is Chris Douglas Roberts still on your team? And uh, if not, what about Joey Dorsey? I mean, that's the last I kind of remember about people on Memphis. That's all you should remember because we we've been worth a damn since then. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> look, do you know about Chris Douglas Roberts? He calls himself Supreme Bay now. Do you know about this? Uh, he's earned that nickname. Yeah, well, he's like Rastafarian now. He doesn't play basketball anymore, and he just has a bunch of like self-help herbal shops. So I got that know, for you. Does he, does he own him in Memphis? No, no, hell no. no he's, from, he's from Detroit, bro. Like, but no, I think he lives like somewhere sunny. So I assume should probably find him or somewhere. I'm sure the self-help kind of herbal, uh, you know, offset market is doing well in Detroit right now. I'm sure there's a, a large demographic for that. But. No, doubt, no doubt. So I'm an alumni uh, of the University of Memphis. I watch the 2008 title game every year. Um, I am a season ticket holder. to yourself, man? Look, man, it could get no worse than that. So every season, it always looking up. Uh, I once saw Penny Hardaway outside of five guys. 
I played ski ball next to Darius Washington Jr. in 2005 at Celebration Station. Let me tell you right now, we could play UT 10 times this season and we lose nine of those games. Uh, we're not good. And we're gonna, probably going to lose this game. But you're right. We're flashy. We make a lot of threes. We play fast. We press the whole game. Uh, we have an identity already, which has been good. We have a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of JUCO players left over from the uh, former regime, the Tubby Smith era. So there's no way we win that should win this game, especially considering the Vols like being so you know disciplined. But we'll see. Here's how I know you guys aren't going to win the game. Isn't the game at 11 Central? 11 Central, yeah. I mean that's horrible. I mean who the hell scheduled that? This you got to get people geared up for it on Beale Street leading up to it all throughout the day, and you're starting it at 11 brunch time, baby. Brunch time at FedEx. I mean, that's, yeah. what, that's what it is. And, yeah. um, Rest yeah. assured, I'll be drinking mimosas for three hours before that. But no, you got to you right. go, uh, go, go Bloody Mary there. Come on. No, no, no mimosa. Not, team mimosa. Bloody yeah, Mary yeah. is terrible, man. Not a, not yeah. a Bloody Mary guy myself. Don't like it. Hey, but nah. you This is how I'm going <laughs> to so, win this basketball me, game, man. I'm going to just drink myself silly <laughs> with mimosa. There you go. So let me ask you this there, Sam. Uh, obviously, you said you're not that great of a team right now. Help clearly on the way with the acquisition of number one overall prospect, James Wiseman, the unicorn is coming. First and foremost, I think you guys, you guys got to do a better job with the nickname. So I'm going to give you an entire year to brainstorm nicknames before he suits up for you guys on the court and off the court though. What does he bring into Memphis? Uh, And when I say on the court, obviously the skills that he possesses and then off the court, what type of excitement has he brought to the city? Yeah, I mean, when Pitty got hired, this was the whole deal. This was like the he needs to be able to to draw the fence around Memphis and get all the guys. It's a hotbed of town. We all know that. Um, so it means a lot to the city in that respect to be back on the recruiting map and have these guys that are going to be one and done. This guy's a top three NBA lottery pick. Uh, once you start getting guys in your program like that, then you can show other future guys that come in that can get to the NBA this way. So off the court, it's it's been completely like it's completely justified the penny hire like everyone's so happy about it um on the court he's a the unicorn thing's weird to me man like it's all these kids are calling themselves unicorns now because they can shoot threes and and dunk like i don't know but he calls himself that so that we didn't deem him that that's his thing so we'll look for a better nickname yeah we do have a whole year uh i mean he's a really fast-paced player he can run the floor he can shoot the three he's really athletic and uh i mean he's he's one of the best players on the best high school team here. That's one state the last four years here in Memphis, Memphis East. Um, so that, however, I think what's really interesting, Wiseman already signed a letter of intent. He didn't have to do that. And rarely do we see these guys do that. He's, he's signed his letter of intent as sort of like solidarity. Like I want to be here to recruit other guys too. So we got DJ Jeffries flip from, flip from Cal Perry and, and Kentucky. Oh, so sweet. And we got uh, Trenton Watford, a Birmingham guy that Mark, uh, Mike Miller knows. So we're going to get him probably. We got a bunch of five stars coming in. The talent's on its way. Uh, what Penny will do with it, I don't know yet. How very, kind of very true. emotionally, like how much of a hard-on does Gary Parrish have this weekend with this game happening? And um, are you guys going to need, is he going to need like a cold shower on multiple nights leading into this kind of epic uh, statewide rivalry that's hopefully going to be resurging uh, this year after kind of a hiatus for a while. Gary Parrish, uh, he'll wake up from a, a drunken stupor when he, he gets blackout on New Amsterdam vodka, which is one of his big marketing things. Uh, shout out to Blue Note Bourbon, by the way. And uh, he will awake. He will make three to four statements on Twitter, none of which are provable, 
so he can never be wrong. And then when he's not wrong, he'll brag about how not wrong he was, even though he never actually said anything. And then he'll be at the game talking to everyone, but not actually doing anything. That's, that's what Gary Parrish will do. So uh, big day for him. Yes. Big day for the state. And uh, like I said, the, the forum will be full. Now I hope we don't have Jay Billis or Dan Dockage on the call or I'm going to be sad. Well, that's where you're leading me right there. I need, I need some type of aggressive, angry, fight me type tweet between Gary Parrish and Dan Dockage again on Saturday night, because, you know, I, I live for a few things in my life, but mm. that's definitely one of them. Seeing yeah. Gary Parrish and Dan Dockage throw blows on Twitter. Well, uh, Gary Parrish is like five in college. Yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> there really are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And yet they act like they all like have some sort of God's gift to commentary or, or analysis. But yeah, I mean, Gary Parrish is five four too. So honestly, <laughs> if him and Dockage literally met, then it'd be really bad for GP. But yeah, I'm hoping so, that Gar- another fight. Yeah. Sam, you'll you'll hear this on our show earlier, but Gary per- Sub essentially Gary Parrish is the Mick Cronin of uh, sports announcers yeah. out there. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's not, yeah. That's not bad. Not a bad comparison. <laughs> that's not bad. Let me ask I, you this here for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Sam. Who are you more turned for? Are you more excited for Jaron Jackson Jr. or James Wiseman? Uh, I mean, Tiger basketball is is my, my first love. Uh, so anytime that that program can be better um, and the James Wiseman thing is kind of something that pur- purports to be bigger in the future. Obviously we only get him for one year. Jaron can play here for 10, 15, hopefully if we manage his career, right. So technically I should be more excited about Jaron, but man, like having tiger basketball back and this being kind of that first lightning bolt to get it there. It's got me hype. I mean, when are you guys going to schedule Kentucky also? Yeah. With, like, so Calipari was recruiting the shit out of Penny's players when he was an AAU grassroots guy and promised Penny that if he ever became a head coach, then we get a home at home with Kentucky completely talking out of his ass, had no intention of ever doing that. Just was telling Penny that to try to get his guys. Uh, the answer is no. I'm hearing like a, a Nashville game maybe, which would be great. Uh, neutral site kind of for both, uh, both blue fan bases to roll in, but that would be unbelievable. And he, he doesn't want that smoke. There's literally no reason for him to play that game until we get back to where, you know, we're a good schedule, but you know, now, he just doesn't want to be spit on by a bunch of really mean people. <laughs> you guys, let me, I'm going to take this time too. Do you guys know how Penny got into coaching? It's kind of an interesting story. And I feel like, let me give you, give me like 180 seconds and I'll get you there. Tell you so what, I'll give you, I, I'll give you 200 seconds. Yeah. Right. But real quick, I heard it. He like, I don't know. He went back to Memphis. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. He was doing some like rehabilitating with like the youth or something like that. Am I completely off base here? Am I no. just being an asshole? No, 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 you're, you're not. You're being far from an asshole. You're, you're pretty right. Uh, so he retires in the NBA, right? Has all the slew of injuries. We know Penny Hardaway's career ended like he was the guy and then he became not the guy. So he comes back to Memphis, comes back home. Could have lived anywhere, this guy. Could have lived in uh, you know, Timbuktu all the way to the, the, the continental states, wherever he wants to live. Instead, he comes back home uh, and he, he played high school basketball. This guy named Desmond Merriweather, uh, Coach Des, what they call him. Des was a not as big of a recruit, just a small time guard played division two, but they're boys. They played basketball on the blacktop here in the ghettos of Memphis together. And Des hits Penny up. He's like, Hey man, you're back in town. Would you come help out with my middle school basketball team, Lester middle an inner city middle school in Binghampton here. And uh, Penny's like, I don't know, man, that's not really like, I've never really been into that. Uh, So anyway, Des gets diagnosed with prostate cancer, like right after that. So he calls Penny and says, Hey man, like I can't beat all the practices. I'm, I'm battling this. Would you come take care of the boys just like on a temporary basis? So Penny comes in and starts coaching this team. And Nadez is in and out of chemo coming back and forth. And 
Penny ends up just falling in love with coaching. And he, he starts coaching this team, essentially becomes the assistant coach. Dez is fighting cancer. And they end up winning three titles in middle school. They have national or like state championships in middle school here. And so they won like three middle school titles. Des goes back to the hospital at the end of this process. And literally, this is like movie. Like when I eventually write and direct the Penny Hardaway movie, uh, which will happen in 10 years, probably this will be like the coup de grace scene. It's in the hospital. Des is passed out from chemo, like literally clinging onto his life. And on the napkin on a bedside table, he writes because he can't articulate anything. He's almost dead. He writes one cent on the napkin and they literally <laughs> call Penny to come to the hospital and he's like by his friend and he like writes one cent on this napkin telling Penny to fully take over the team, you know, while he's like more indisposed. So then Penny fought like leaves Lester middle school to go to East high school to coach those guys that graduated from Lester, including Alex Lomax, uh, one of the starting point guards on this team and a former Wichita state commit who came back to Memphis after Penny got the job. So then in the middle of the East run, Des dies. So now they have this entire like do it for Des mantra. And so all these guys, they have like this, this guy, this coach that they played for that was Penny's best friend. And so that's how he got into it. But it's, it's pretty damn cinematic, man. Yeah. I can already see uh, Michael B. Jordan in the, in the role of Penny Hardaway right there. Oh, yeah. Obviously you're going to have to take some artistic liberties with the height, but Michael B. Jordan as uh, Penny and, you know, this is a stretch, but I think he can do it if we make him look a little younger because their fat faces kind of align. But I think Russell Crowe, when you got kind of the slick back hair, would make a decent John Calipari. Now we got to keep him young. We got to keep him fresh if we're making this movie ten years from now. But there's something about like, give me a better Calipari if you can. But I'm I'm seeing some Crow in uh, in Calipari there. Yeah, I know. I, I like, like Crow. I feel like a few years ago we could have gone with Petrino, but Crow's Crow's not bad. Well, let me hit you with this. All right, let me give you a. Uh, Colin Farrell doing full, uh, just like New Yorker accent, slick back, thick black hair. Yeah, like from uh, uh, when he was in True Detective. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, your, 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 your first go to reference for Colin Farrell was phone. phone booth. Booth. Yeah. Underrated film. Keeper uh, Sutherland's really good in that, too. Yeah, I'm an underrated film. I agree with that. But, but you know, still. Uh, Colin Farrell, uh, I'll, I'll go with Dare, or Daredevil when he played Bullseye and Daredevil. That's my Colin Farrell uh, first movie. So, uh, you, you know, you know, he's going to go. I got no clue what you're talking about. Just like underrated film phone booth. Like that movie was completely adequately rated for what it was. It was a horrible movie. And we, <laughs> I think it gets too much shit for having uh, or being set in literally just one location. Uh, no, it's like what, it was just it. some artsy farty guy trying to make some great film about, look, I can tell a story in a phone booth. Nah, you actually can't. It's a horrible story. And I wish I never watched it. Uh, Theater, in my opinion. Who, so who, Sam, who's playing the, uh, the coach? Yeah. Who's playing what? We don't want to put you on the spot, but who's going to play? Who's going to play the middle school coach that wrote one cent? Oh yeah, okay. Uh, so if, imagine if Jordan Peele lost like 180 pounds. Um, that's who. That's who I'm casting. Looks like right. him. I think can channel the ethos, you know, the pathos of this guy. And uh, he was a funny, fun-loving guy. Penny's more serious, you know. So you got Michael B. Jordan hamming it up, um, just totally like doing the whole bit. So then you got Jordan Peele on the side. Uh, I think he's going to want to get back into acting. He's, he's won an Oscar for writing a screenplay. Let's get this guy back in front of the camera instead of behind uh, for this uh, <laughs> this compelling film that is going to come out. I'm looking forward to it already. Sammy, let me ask you this. If we hop back to hoops for a quick second, yeah. what are reasonable expectations for the Tigers next year? 
Uh, next year. So the American, your boy Dan Hurley is going to have UConn back. It looks like. Uh, oh, my boy. Got Cincy. Uh, <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> oh, okay. The, the friend of the podcast, Dan Hurley, this has been talked about, but um, since he's always going to be Cincy, I mean, it, I, I want to see a 25 win team. Uh, I want an at large bid, you know, at least. Uh, and then I would like, here's my ideal scenario. Okay. I don't know if this is realistic, but just let me paint this for you. I would three seed in the tournament and Kentucky is a two seed and we meet in the sweet 16 and we beat Kentucky with Kentucky recruits. And then I could die right then. Like if the lightning bolt struck me right then, then I'd be perfectly okay with going out at that point. <laughs> but I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm a realistic fan, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan, but I'm not an unrealistic man. Uh, no, so yeah, American's right. not a tough league. You can win a lot of games in it. And our, our scheduling has been pretty good this year so far. And I hope to con- continue that, but we don't ever play, you know, like, like UT schedule this year is, is crazy. And we, uh, we won't, we won't be playing that next year. Well, I, I've kind of run out of uh, things to talk about here. So I'll let you guys kind of, do you have any parting thoughts here? Sam, uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, Vols Zagzian? Did we man, touch base on that? Yeah, no, that was, that was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it really did. I hate, all right, pet peeve. I hate when announcers talk about this has the atmosphere of a final four game. Uh, it's like, no, it doesn't like, I mean, cause final four games are played in fucking NFL stadiums. And it's the final four. Like just because it's a good college basketball game between two top ten seeds, it's not. Dude, it, was the, it was the Jerry Colangelo Classic. It felt bigger than. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> That's wait, wait, hold on. That was the name of the tournament, or I don't know what you were doing, Sue. The, the game was right down the road from you. The talking Stick Arena in Phoenix. Like, what else are you doing on Sunday? Wait, yeah. was it really? Yeah, it was yeah. a Talking Stick. Yeah. Oh shit! I should have yeah. gone to that game. It was the matinee before the main event, which was a. Uh, uh, Dan Marley in uh, Grand Canyon. Those are your boys, boys, Nevada. Like, what the hell were you doing? Yeah, there? Nevada was in the house. I can't believe you weren't there, actually, now I think about it. I should have been. GCU, also my boys, though. Yeah. Uh, I've been to one of their games. Their crowd is turnt. Their crowd is fucking awesome. They're the best, best basketball school in central Arizona. No, it was. that's what they were saying afterwards. There was a ton of fans there after the Vols. Gonzaga game, so I don't. I big missed opportunity for you, especially Rick with all Pitino. these all these schools you're calling your boys. Like, you know, go support got a lot them, of boys. Man. Boys, got, got a lot of boys. Boy, you got more boys than the Catholic Church over there. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Pitino has said though that uh, GCU is top five toughest places he's he's had to take his team. So. Well, you know, the, the, you got Super Bowl in terms of viewership, then Jared Colangelo Classic right behind that, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the Vols are ready for March. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, anyway, I hope Admiral Schofield never makes another three. I'll tell you that. I hope he used all of them up in that game. Uh, and so I'm Lante Turner still out Saturday, probably. Yeah, he's, the, he's not playing. He's okay. Not playing. Uh, get Grant Williams in foul trouble early and make Jordan Bone beat me from the outside is my scouting report. But they ain't asked me yet. But hopefully uh, that's what we do. I, I mean, I I hate to do this because you're a good friend of mine, and I can really sense the excitement in you right now, and you you got a lot of optimism. But I got a bad feeling you're about to get Fulkerson on Saturday. You know, it's going to come come from Fulkerson. You're like, oh my gosh, we're so athletic, we're so skilled, and this guy Fulkerson is. Oh, we're not 12. skilled. No, we're <laughs> we are not skilled. <laughs> Make no mistake there. You're going to get folked on Saturday, baby. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, I will say that the second that he scores any points, uh, I'll, I'm going to be very sad. 
Uh, it's going to happen. Yeah. My seats are right fucking there too. So if I have to listen to Fulkerson say anything to me or anyone in the fans of my vicinity, then oh, I'll be ready. It's a tough day for me. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw this, but uh, we're trying out a new wrinkle with our theater kind of um, motif in our show where we take someone with the name Peter or Peters or Pete and we just replace it with feet. So for instance, theater pan and feet rose and uh, St. Petersburg. So expect mm-hmm. a lot of those type. Um, Fidi Pablo. Fidi Pablo. Not unlike the, uh, the different types of milk, uh, you That's, know, bread, yes. milk, buttermilk. Exactly. Yeah. Like of that the, same milk in the same vein there. No, this is this is the theater kind of run we're on right now is very much like the 2012 milk run that we were on. So okay, hey, that's Sam, a powerful word there, but okay. <laughs> Sam, I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> uh, wow. Sam, I'll let you. I'll let you go on this one. Give me your starting five Memphis basketball players all mm. time. Trot out uh, a starting five for me. All right. Um, well, you're lucky because I've thought about this question. No, I haven't actually ever. <laughs> uh, I, I go Penny Hardaway at the one. Um, Keith Lee at the two. Chris Douglas Roberts at the three. Who do I got at the four? I think I probably have Sean Williams at the four. And then big man Joey Dorsey at the five. Yeah, the you got, you yeah. got Joey, yeah. Joey in there. That's yeah, all I was waiting for. Really. Yeah, you can't not have him in there, man. And, you know, off the bench, uh, uh, Dewan Wagner and uh, and some Derrick Rose to come in for energy. You know, just got to have NBA players off the wow. bench. Derrick Rose, Rose comes off starting. the bench. D-Rose comes off the bench. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he's sending a message. You got to make your free throws, man. Yeah. He made, oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> he hit the shot of the tournament until it wasn't the shot of the tournament anymore. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Uh, that's all I got on my end. Nap, you got anything else? No, I know I did the wind down about 10 minutes ago. So if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for the, uh, false start there, but yeah, I got nothing else. Sam, thanks for joining us, man. Anytime boys to go taggers. (laughs) Best of luck. (laughs) Want to thank Sam Strance again for, uh, you know, want to thank Sam Strance again for joining us here real quick before, before we head on out of here. One quick segment. This week in feet, you know what happened today? I think it's to the day or maybe tomorrow, but this week, no matter what, uh, you know what happened seven years ago? Seven years ago, so that's 2011. I have no clue. Christian Watford hits the game-winning three over Kentucky, the team that had Anthony Davis and then went on to win the national title. But – Amazing scene. Assembly Hall, it looks uh, just like an unbelievable place to catch a college basketball game. You have two blue bloods in Indiana and Kentucky. They need to they need to reschedule those those games again. But Christian Watford, uh, it was a really well-designed play. It actually was the Villanova play that won Villanova the title when you know the guy's running down the court and he basically stops and sets a de facto screen. Christian Watford pure i mean the net was just so milky after that that was probably tom crean's uh greatest win at indiana pretty much was a shitty experience outside of that but additionally a great call from dan shulman and dick vitell hate vitell but dan shulman when watford hits that three just goes oh 
Back out and then went back in. 19 for him. Here comes Riddell Jones. Three seconds. Two seconds. Riddell all the way outside to Watford. Three on the way. Oh! And Wyatt! And Wyatt! And Indiana wins the ball game! Christian Watford with a three! And the Hoosiers have knocked off the number one ranked Kentucky Wildcats! It was, uh, it sounded like a very orgasmic experience. Maybe it sounds Sam like a, can, can put that in. Like a Batista with the catch type move right there. So that's all I got on my end, Nap. Anything else from you? I got nothing else, Father. I'm happy that you're back. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, yakking it up with you moving forward on uh, everything that happened and everything that will happen, especially as we get into prime time of the season. So a lot of good feet this past week. And I'm looking forward to the theater coming forward. Close curtain.